the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast and the co-leader after 18 holes at the Masters Tournament. Jay, great round at Augusta today. How'd you do it? You have golfed with me before, and you know that's a flat-out lie. <laughs> I'm a terrible golfer and you you I think I may have I think I've golfed with you more than anyone in my life that's saying something because I think we've golfed together like three times yeah I I, I really it feels like more than that but uh yeah I, I do not golf often and when I do it's usually with you so you know how bad I am at golf so don't pretend like that's true <laughs> maybe we're talking about uh PGA 2k 21 or something I'm slightly better in that, but still not much better than I am in real life. Anyway, <laughs> that's not why you're listening. Thanks for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. There is so much to get to. Hawks lose 5-1 to the Stars. They make a five-player trade. Our pets' heads are falling off. So much to get to. First, <laughs> let's get the propers out of the way. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Look us up on Facebook, Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. And check out our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Thread Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. So with so much to discuss, it almost feels like the game tonight is secondary to everything. So we're not going to spend an inordinate amount of time on the Hawks 5-1 loss to the Dallas Stars, other than I'll say they probably didn't deserve to lose by that much. I think that's a fair way to put it. They had a huge advantage in possession. I think if you were to just like casually check in and out on the game throughout the course of the night, you'd say the Hawks looked like the better team, but you allow two power play goals. You have Duncan Keith fall down on one, and then turn the puck over at the blue line on another, and all of a sudden, things are looking a hell of a lot worse than they probably should have. Because I think overall, 
The Hawks played a pretty solid game. They outshot Dallas 39 to 34, but just so many things, so many disasters occurred in the course of the game. And and you talk about like players that want to burn the tape. This one, I think Duncan Keith has already gone to Jeremy Cowan's office and set fire to every recording device they have at the United Center. Yeah, I'd also say Nikita Zadorov probably did too because that uh, turnover that he had that led to one of the Dallas goals was one of the most egregious that he's had on his highlight reel this season, and he's had some real doozies. <laughs> but it just to me, it was a great encapsulation of kind of some of the stuff that's been going wrong for the Blackhawks lately. Just too passive, too just kind of willing to let anything happen instead of being assertive, and I thought the Zadorov play was a good example of that because you had a guy basically turned the puck over for no reason he could have easily skated out of the zone instead tried to pass across the ice where there just so happened to be a Dallas defender standing there and then instead of getting back and trying to help on the play Zadorov kind of did this weird little circle around and then stopped between the faceoff dots where he could stop precisely zero <laughs> Dallas Stars players and ended up being a really easy goal for the Stars and just to end the Blackhawks power plays tonight were kind of the same way just a lot of standing around and watching one dude carry the puck to and fro they just way too much passivity way too much just careless play by the Blackhawks and yeah the statistics looked pretty solid for them tonight the possession metrics and a few other things and there were a few standout performances here and there but all too often lately we've seen a Blackhawks team that's either gotten badly outplayed or just kind of hasn't shown up to the rink for their game and as a result they're now in fifth place in the Discover Card Central Division, four points behind the Nashville Predators, and oh yeah, the Dallas Stars and the Columbus Blue Jackets are both breathing down their necks as well. Yeah, it's starting to feel like the playoffs are a bit of a pipe dream, and and we're going to get to this trade a little bit, and and what it's going to mean for the Hawks going forward this season and beyond. But I, the firepower just isn't there, and if Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinket aren't carrying this team offensively. They just can't keep up the pace. And, yeah, you got a goal from Kubelik, and it was another nice, solid game from Kirby Doc. Vinny Henestroza picked up another assist. But if Kane and Debrinkit aren't doing it every night, then the Hawks are really just not competitive enough. And when those guys aren't, the other thing they can fall back on is the power play. No power play goals for the Hawks. And you mentioned it. Passive is a good word for it. Um, they're also sort of doing the three or four extra passes thing again where they've got a good look and they try to make that perfect highlight reel third or fourth pass to make it a wide open net chances are but look the, the more passes you make the less likely it is that the play is going to be completed sometimes you just got to take what's given and put the puck on net and hope that someone's crashing the net for a rebound there were four five maybe six times during this game and even on the power play where Hawks had good looks at the net and just opted to not shoot. And then and then sure enough, you know, they turn the puck over, they fumble it along the boards, and the puck's going the other way. They've got to keep things simple. And when the Hawks were having success this season, that's what they were doing at five on five, on the power play, and on the penalty kill. They were keeping things simple, getting pucks on net, getting bodies in front. It is the formula that's worked in hockey for a hundred and whatever years. It's going to continue to work. And they're getting away from it. And again, I think they played overall a pretty solid game tonight. Yeah, they got their asses kicked five to one on this score sheet. But again, the eye test tells you they were in it. The metrics tell you they were in it. 
It was just one of those nights. But sometimes they're putting themselves in situations where they're hurting themselves and they're taking opportunities away. Again, if well, they yeah, have... I mean, they erased a power play like instantly in the yeah. second period. Yep. And basically after that, it was all Dallas like that mistake. It seemed like just completely took the wind out of their sails. And that's see to me that here's something I know about Jeremy Kelton. OK, every time throughout his tenure, the Hawks have gotten hot or they've gotten close to a playoff spot or they've been within striking distance of a playoff spot they fall apart, right? We've seen it now three seasons in a row where it's like, oh, they got off to a bad start. Oh, now they're starting to win. They're starting to win. They're close. They're close. And then they just completely deflate towards the end of the season. And guess what's happening now? We're seeing the same exact thing happen. And this game was a microcosm where one mistake happens and the team just loses their shit. And they, you know, and that second period was a disaster. We're looking at the metrics of this game. If we're going to go just by Corsi, first period, the Hawks had a 65.79% advantage. Second period, when all hell broke loose, 37% was the Hawks' Corsi. Then, as the Hawks are playing catch up in the third period, they have a 72.73% Corsi at five on five. So the score effects took huge effect in the third period. But one thing happens, one thing goes wrong, and this team falls apart. That, to me, that speaks to coaching. And if we want to give Jeremy Cowden credit for how hard they've played and how they've overachieved to this point, fine. But when things like this happen game after game and now year after year, we got to look at him for that. There's got to be some blame given to Jeremy Cowden for not having his team mentally stable enough to overcome a simple mistake in a game in which they're playing quite well. Right. Well, I mean, if you, like you had said, if we're going to credit Jeremy Colleton for when things are going well, we have to question him when they're not. And obviously the power play, which was a source of strength for the Blackhawks at the beginning of the season, has decidedly not been that recently. I think I saw a statistic there, one of their last 20 on the power play or something like that, just have completely fallen apart recently in that regard. Uh, I have questions about the way that the Blackhawks are deploying Kevin Lankin in night in, night out I know that obviously these losses haven't necessarily been his fault but I also know that he is playing in his first full NHL season and they're basically playing every other day and yet he's getting run out there night after night after night gave up five goals tonight didn't look awful but definitely not as sharp as he was previously and I think we can say that for a few of the recent performances there have been others where he's been real good able to stand up on his head and others where you can tell I think that he's starting to kind of feel the wear and tear of the season so I wouldn't be surprised if Jeremy Colleton ends up going with Malcolm Subban for a game just to kind of spell Lincoln in a little bit. I know they've got a couple of uh, road games coming up that they'll potentially be able to have the ability to do that. Um, You can ask him about line combinations. Obviously, I know that his top line combination right now is working out really well. Obviously, uh, up until tonight, I should say. And obviously the Hinnestroza Kubelik line has been working well too, but his defensive pairings have been a mess lately. They've just been completely outplayed on that part of the ice. The forward lines have been jumbled up and rehashed together so many times. It's hard to keep track. It's just 
I know he's trying a lot of different stuff right now, but I also know that they have gotten away from a lot of the stuff that was making them successful earlier in the season. And if we're going to sing Jeremy Colleton's praises when the Blackhawks are in third place in the Discover Card Central Division and they're looking real good, we have to start asking questions now that they're kind of faltering again down the stretch. And as you alluded to, this isn't the first time that they've done that recently. And what's the common denominator in all of those things? It's been Jeremy Colleton as their head coach. Yep. All right. Two more things I want to get to before we burn this game to the ground, because there's so much other more important, bigger picture stuff to get to. And truly, the, this whole season is about the bigger picture. So we got to get to that. Um, Jeremy Colleton should have challenged that offsides play on the uh, play where Boquist went for the early change and Keith turned it over at the blue line. It's late in the game. You're down big. There's five Dallas stars basically standing on a blue line in the same spot. Why not challenge that play? What do you have to lose? Yeah. You're going to get a, a penalty called against you if you're wrong, but you're already getting your ass kicked. You're probably, I think that's probably worth the risk. That's something there. And here's the other note. Duncan Keith, this has happened several times this season. He was on the ice for every goal in this game. Jeez, yeah, he was. Every single goal Duncan Keith was on the ice for. I, that's amazing. And I know he plays a ton. It's not necessarily a criticism so much as it's an observation. And he had a, a bad game tonight. I'm sure he'll tell you that too. Um, but in 2015 of ice time, he was on the ice for all six goals in this game. And when was uh, the last time Duncan Keith was fourth in time on ice for defensemen in a game? Well, I think as the game gets away... And I haven't looked at the shift charts, but as the game starts to get away from you, you probably say, all right, you know what, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, let's let's shut it down here at the end of the game. We don't need to get you guys hurt. And Kane I, had the most time on ice, by the way, of any player tonight. Yeah, 22-25, which is a pretty low number for him, actually. <laughs> like, like Considering, like most nights, he's up there like 23-24. So 22-25 is, is pretty low. Yeah, um, that's nothing for him. Yeah, really. But all right, are we ready to burn this 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 game down? I think our listeners are probably ready to burn it down, too. And you know a great way for them to do that? It's to eat, it's to eat some fry the coop and then breathe fire upon the game tape. All right. It's been it's been adequately destroyed. Uh, but you know what will not be destroyed? Your taste buds by fry the coop. Yeah, it's hot. It's spicy. Suck it up, man. Got a, got a tweet from somebody who's like, the hot is really hot. We've been telling you that. We have warned you about this. (laughs) Don't act surprised that the hot is hot. Don't blame Fry the Coop for doing it the way it's supposed to be done. We had fire sauce from an unnamed taco chain this tonight. And Eddie goes, can I try the fire sauce? I go, yeah, it's like Tabasco. She's like, this isn't hot. Fry the Coop is hot. All right, because they're (laughs) legit. Go to frythecoop.com. Place your order online. What the hell is Fry the Coop, Jay? You haven't told me yet. It's Nashville hot chicken and it's not just any nashville hot chicken it's some of the best nashville hot chicken you will ever have in your life fry the coop is thriving and for a business to be thriving during a global freaking pandemic tells you all you need to know about the business go to frythecoop.com check out the location near you oaklawn elmhurst west town prospect heights and finally in tinley park place your order there you can go pick it up at their pickup window you're in, you're out, you're home. The, by the way, I got to say, Fry the Coop travels really well. That was one of my fears of like, it's the pandemic. Is it going to make it home from Oak Lawn to Homewood, which was my option before the Tinley one opened? Every time 
We get it all the way back to Homewood. It'd be crispy. It'd be hot. It would be fresh. Fry the Coop is legit. One of my favorite places in the world. So go there. Try the tenders. Try the donut chicken sandwich. Yeah, you heard that right. Try the honey, the spicy honey butter sandwich. Chicken and waffles with bacon in the batter. Yeah, those are all good words all put together. So enjoy Fry the Coop. I know you will. Come get your happiness at frythecoop.com. And when you visit any of these places that support the Madhouse podcast, make sure you told them, you tell them you heard about them from us. All right. The big story of the day, the story everyone cares about, is the big five-player trade between the Blackhawks and the Florida Panthers, because Carolina and Columbus were not available, apparently. Uh, the Blackhawks oh, trade... Shots. <laughs> the Blackhawks trade defenseman Lucas Carlson and forward Lucas Walmark to the Panthers for forwards Brett Connolly, the rights to Henrik Borgstrom, and defenseman Riley Stillman. The Hawks also got a seventh-round draft pick. James, I had my opportunity... A critical component of this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had my chance to do a short little mini-podcast with my thoughts on this trade earlier today, so I'm going to give you the floor first. Give me your hot takes on this giant... Blackhawks trade and it is big we're not mocking it this is a significant deal I mean it definitely shows where the Blackhawks heads are at right now I think they had said previously as we had uh hypothesized on the show and ultimately were validated on they had said they were willing to take on some salary cap hits in order to make deals because that was obviously going to give them a little bit of a leg up on the uh, competition in that regard. And that's exactly what they did in this trade today because Brett Connolly has, what is it, two years left on his deal? $3.5 million cap hit on that thing. Right. Uh, Stillman obviously is signed through this season. To me, the, the key to all of this is if you're going to take on salary like that, you have to to get a guy back that makes it worthwhile. You ha you're not going to get your Tabo Teravainen in a cap dump deal. That's not always going to happen. Huh. But the Blackhawks had to get somebody like that. And that it has to be Henrik Borgstrom or it's a problem because I, he, I know he's over in Finland. The Blackhawks have said that he's not going to come over here until next season. And I, I think that the whole – key to this thing is how he looks when he comes over here we've seen time and again the Blackhawks do a really good job of scouting European players that's why you and I were definitely in favor of the Lucas Reichel pick when they made it that's why we thought Pia Suter was going to do really well when he came into the mix I think that they have earned the benefit of the doubt in that regard at the very least in terms of the way their front office operates to me Borkstrom's the key to the whole thing. Like, yes, Stillman's going to give you a veteran presence on the blue line. Fine, whatever. Brett Conley's a dude, I guess. He's basically just swapping out for Lucas Smallmark. Lucas Walmark, woo, bring out the noisemakers, confetti, whatever. That, those parts of the trade do not interest me. Borgstrom is the end-all, be-all of this thing for me. If he ends up panning out, that is a really good thing for the Blackhawks. And if he doesn't, you wasted the cap space for no damn reason. Well, I'm going to stop you short of saying that Connolly is just Walmart. I don't know if that's accurate because he has scored 20 goals in this league a couple times. Like he, he's a better player than Walmart. Uh, he had, let's see, I'm looking at his stats now, 22 goals with the caps in 2018, 19. He had 19 goals for Florida last year. Uh, so those are the two times. It was 15, 15, 
So he's he's been around that mark before in his career. He's having a down year in Florida, no doubt about it. Two goals, two assists in 21 games. Has found himself in Joel Quenville's doghouse for sure. But there's a little bit of me that's like, maybe Connolly can come in and help in an elevated role. That said, I think that he is total fodder for the expansion draft. I think that's a big oh, yeah. part of why they brought him in. And yes, like you said, Borgstrom is absolutely the key to this deal. Uh, that comes, I knew that before I asked, but I talked to several sources today and they all said, yes, this was the key piece. Borgstrom is a guy they really like. 6'3", listed at 199. He's currently playing uh, in Hel- with HIFK Helsinki. Uh, he's got 19 points in 27 games, including 11 goals. He's got some NHL games under his belt. He's played 58 games in the league. He's got 19 total points. Again, 23 years old, and this is a centerman. And when you look at this team going forward, and if Borgstrom turns into anything they think he might, you're talking Kirby Doc, you're talking Dylan Strom, you're talking Henrik Borgstrom, you're talking, hopefully, someday, Jonathan Taves, right? That... That's a decent top four. You've got, uh, you've got, um, why am I blanking on his name? Philip Kurashev, who's played some center. Pia Suter has played some center. You've got Ryan Carpenter, who's played center. You got David Kampf, who's played center. There is this endless list of centers available for this team. And as we look a year or two into the future, you're starting to see how this team is taking shape. And the other thing is, they're not done. It doesn't feel like they're done because. Carl Soderberg doesn't play for another night. I wanted to get to this before this trade was made, and this would probably would have been a bigger part before then, but are they protecting the asset? Is that what the Hawks are doing? Because part of me is like, if you're trying to trade a guy, he should be playing, right? But at the same time, if you put Soderberg out there and he bangs his knee against the boards and is out, you lose that asset completely. I think they have him in asset management, and they're not going to play Soderberg until they move him at the deadline, and then if they do, he's back in the lineup. Well, I mean, they only have one game left before the deadline that's true. anyway, so that's yeah. probably what they're going to do. Yeah, so I, you know, I, my first blush was, okay, they took on a big deal. I was hoping they would get more back than they did, but then as I learned more about Borgstrom and talked to some people in the organization about how they feel about Borgstrom, it makes a lot of sense. And look, three and a half million is not a huge thing to take on. We're not talking six, seven million. Uh, like we've rumored, like we mentioned the name Andrew Ladd, which I probably don't think is going to happen. Um, but, you know, th- there have been some bigger salaries mentioned. Three and a half is not going to land you a Tavo, much to my chagrin. Um, <laughs> but they really like Borgstrom. He wants to play in the NHL and he's going to be a part of things next year and he's going to get every opportunity to make the team. And James, you said it. If there's one part of the Hawks, I have absolute faith in it's their European scouts. They have knocked it out of the park for a few years now. Cause it's not just Panarin. It's not just Kubelik. It's not just Suter. Eric Gustafson was one of those guys. And yeah, he, he was not, he was a flawed player for sure, but to come over as a free agent and become like a power play catalyst for the Hawks, that's a big deal. David Kampf is an import. Dominic Cahoon was an import. They found these guys. Their Euro scouts find these guys and bring them over. That's probably the part of the organization I feel the most confident in right now. So as I learn more about Borgstrom, the more excited I get about this deal. The only thing that sucks is now we have to wait to see him play. 
Right. And I and I also wanted to mention one other quick thing that you and I had talked about, which was kind of the glut of young defensemen that the Blackhawks had seemingly kind of put together with your Kalinucks and your Carlsons and your Bodans. This obviously addresses that a little bit since Stillman isn't under contract for next season. The Blackhawks can kind of decide what they want to do with him and Nikita Zadorov, depending on how they feel about some of their other uh younger defensemen that they have on the roster. I did also want to point out that Stan Bowman has shouted out Stillman for his physical style. We've heard this before. We've heard this sales pitch before uh, with the veteran defenseman that you bring in. What the heck is this crap? Well, look, I don't mind bringing in physical defensemen. That's fine. I, I don't mind bringing them in either, but if they come in and aren't that, that is an issue. So is this Zadorov light? Is this what we're well, trending think, towards? Because I can't handle it. I think Zadorov's been physical, but that's probably about it. That's that's really all he's done. Is, is he's been physical. physical in a bad way a lot of the time. Well, that's true. There's been bad penalties, and I think when you have a guy that plays that style, you're kind of counting on those to happen now and again. Uh, he's been a total mixed bag, and uh, actually asked the source today, like, is Bowman still in love with with Zadorov or, or what? And he said, uh, not in love. If the right deal came along, they would move him. So hmm. something to keep an eye on as they, cause I think there are a lot of eyebrows raised when they trade a defenseman because of the log jam, when they trade Lucas Carlson, but then they bring in another one in Riley Stillman, like, wait a minute, I thought you were trying to clear the decks for young defensemen. So I don't think they're done dealing. Maybe they traded to Han. Maybe they trade Mur who knows, who knows who it could be. But I, th I feel like there are several other moves coming and something we discussed a couple weeks ago was how active is this deadline going to be? But you've seen the Hawks trade for Henestrosa. We got to get to that yet. Uh, you saw the big trade between the Devils and Islanders where Palmieri and Zajac go to the I Islanders. I cannot believe Travis Zajac is not a devil anymore. He's been there forever. He's played with Martin Brodeur. No, he didn't. Actually, he did he? Did yes, he? he? Yes, he did. He did play. <laughs> I looked it up last night. He played with Brodeur. He, his first season was, I think, 06, 07. So he did get a year with Brodeur. But he's been he's been a devil forever. That guy. It's like, can he even play somewhere else? Does it work? Like, <laughs> and especially the Islanders, which I thought I thought that was really funny that they like made that trade and then didn't uh, the GM of the Devils say that he hopes that the deal like works out or something like that? Didn't I see where he was saying he hoped the Islanders did good things? It's like. I, I get that there's a conditional <laughs> draft pick in there. It like upgrades from a fourth to a third. Why the hell would you say that about a division rival that plays like five miles from your arena? Yeah, that's I cannot weird. imagine the Blackhawks saying that like, oh, I hope this deal that we made with the St. Louis Blues really helps to benefit them. They can hang another championship banner from the arch. Get out of here with that weak nonsense. I think it's about the players having success more than the team, but I get where you're coming from. By the way, that jogged my memory. If you missed it... I think it was today. Uh, I don't. Oh, I feel bad because I don't know if it was Laz or Powers did like an oral history of the Michael Hanzus trade, oh and God. it's actually yeah. really good. And Hanzus, uh, there were several teams that wanted Hanzus at that deadline, and he wanted to come to the Hawks more than anything. So Doug Wilson took a lesser deal to benefit the player to help the player out. So Han, they took less from the Hawks for Hanzus than they could have gotten elsewhere to make the player happy. That stuff's cool. That's stuff, like we make fun of that and we get mad about it as fans, but that goes a long way with players. Like players remember that. Um, and you know, and they so does giving them no trade clauses and too much oh, money. They'll never forget that ever. And why would you? That's the greatest thing ever. Uh, but I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Make sure you check that thing out. 
um, that piece from, I'm sorry, it was either Laz or Powers. It was, they're both awesome. Uh, all right, so the other trade we got to talk about, uh, this happened on April 2nd. Uh, the Blackhawks acquired Vinny Henestroza, who's played two games already for Brad Morrison. This, to me, is common sense. Bringing a guy to give you some forward death, depth, not death, ahead of the deadline because you know you're going to ship some guys out. It's a million bucks. It's a guy who's been effective here before. And through two games, I really like what I've seen from Henestroza. I think he's looked really damn good. Yeah, I mean, we kind of scoffed at the deal a little bit. I think that, well, I shouldn't say, sorry, I shouldn't say we. I should say a lot of Blackhawks fans kind of, you know, scoffed at the deal. Stan, good old Stanny Bowman going out and getting <laughs> another retread guy who had a whopping zero points with the Panthers this year, yada, yada. And then he's promptly come in and been one of the most energetic players on the ice. Like, what the heck was that all about? He has looked really solid with Dominic Kubelik. I've really liked what I've seen when those two have been together. And I believe Henestrosa has points in each of his first two games of the Blackhawks. I do. I got to give the guy a little bit of credit. He's definitely had some jump in his step. I was one of the guys who was kind of critical of the trade because I was thinking to myself, you have these guys who you're trying to get back into the lineup and then you're adding another forward into the mix. That seems sort of silly, but they have brought him back in. He's looked pretty solid overall. I thought, like I said, the energy level has been good. I think that's essentially what this was. It was just adding a guy who would potentially thrive in a new environment, and they just wanted to get somebody with some jump and some energy. And Henestrosa has uh, really – he's provided that. And, of course, you always have to bring up the fact that he's a good old Illinois boy every time you talk about him. He's local. He knows what it means to be a hawk because he's been a hawk nine times. <laughs> I, which, uh, which suburb is he from? Uh, it says Chicago was his birthplace, but I, one of those burbs, one of those affluent suburbs. He's not from Lamont, is he? No, that's Scott Darling. That's Scott Darling territory. Um, by the way, uh, the two assists that he has so far for the Hawks, both of them were pretty sweet plays. That assist on the Kubali goal tonight was quite nice. By the way, Henestrosa from Melrose Park. Melrose Park. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so there you have it. Those are the two deals that were made. We broke down this game. When we come back, there's a lot to get to yet. Uh, the Blackhawks have purchased the Rockford Ice Hogs outright. There's a little bit of stuff to get to there. We'll get to that and a whole bunch more when we come back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.
Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. James DeVoe out there in beautiful, exotic, tropical Bourbonnet, Illinois. I want to tell you about our friends and partners at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. I am a Dr. Squatch enthusiast. I am a Dr. Squatch subscriber, and I absolutely love everything Squatch. You will, too. Go to DrSquatch.com and ditch the crappy chemical liquid soap that is destroying your skin, that is destroying your scalp and your hair. Take care of yourself. You deserve it. You work hard. Maybe you work out, unlike me. You smell kind of when that happens. Use natural soaps. Use natural shampoos and conditioners. Dr. Squatch is your one-stop shop for everything. Soap, hair care products, toothpaste, deodorant, beard oil, you will love it all. And I know going to drsquatch.com for the first time can be a bit overwhelming. So I'm going to tell you where to start. First thing I would do is start a two soap subscription. That should get you through the month. Pro tip, add that soap saver. It will protect your investment. It'll make things last a hell of a lot longer than it would if you just set it on the ledge there. My favorite scents, cool, fresh aloe, cold brew cleanse. I recently opened a deep sea goat's milk. For the first time in a while, my God, that smells good. Add that one to the rotation, and their flagship scent is the pine tar with the exfoliants, the oatmeal. They're all terrific. So go to drsquatch.com. When you're ready to check out, use the promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time, which we always appreciate. Again, that's drsquatch.com, promo code madhouse Twenty. All right, James. I actually just ordered the Fresh Falls hair care kit. Just uh, Ooh, I've throwing that, that out there. So nice. I have not tried the uh, Fresh Falls I, hair care I, yet. I will. Let, I'll let you know how that is. I also picked up the Wood Barrel Bourbon uh, soap as well. So Ooh, that is I, the Wood Barrel Bourbon. If I could smell Ron Swanson, that's what I would imagine <laughs> it smells like. It is the yep. manliest scent you will ever smell. And, I, I can't, personally can't wait to see that. And I should mention that. that not every scent at Dr. Squatch is just totally manly, musty, musky. There's there's scents that work for everybody. The Cool Fresh Yellow is one of them, and that Deep Sea Goat's Milk can work for anybody. But there's a ton of scents. Again, just go to DrSquatch.com and shop around. You will love it. I promise. All right, so the Rockford Ice Hogs are officially 100% owned and operated by the Chicago Blackhawks and it's kind of been that way in terms of how they operate the hires, the way the team is run, but now it's officially 100% Blackhawks. They're going to help. Um, now that this is done, revitalize the building a little bit. You can imagine they'll probably revitalize the neighborhood a little bit around because they've got Blackhawks money now and not just ice hogs money. This is great for Rockford. It's great for the organization. This is a win-win deal all around. Yeah, you know it's a big deal when the uh, governor shows up for the announcement. So yeah, it it was just it was definitely it was something we had kind of heard was in the pipeline for quite a while that the Blackhawks were going to get ready to purchase the Ice Hogs. I know that that rumor had been floating around for a good while, and it's just it's a great thing for the Ice Hogs both as an organization in the community in Rockford. I think it's going to be awesome that the Blackhawks are investing money into the arena and the area around the arena. Um, it's going to be good, hopefully, for things like youth hockey in Rockford as well. And it's just it's great to see 
a tighter connection between the two organizations, I guess you would say, because obviously the Blackhawks not having ownership. They were, I think, one of only 10 teams that didn't have ownership of their AHL affiliate, if I remember correctly. Right. I thought I thought I saw that it's a fairly common occurrence now. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights own their own, et cetera. There are very few teams now, it seems like, that don't own their AHL affiliate. So it's going to be a great relationship builder, I think, for the two sides. And it, it was something that I'm glad that it finally crossed the finish line. And it does seem like it's going to be really beneficial, especially to the Ice Hogs and to their uh, fans out there in Rockford. We're going to have to get out there again soon. And I promise I will not make any jokes about the best Mexican restaurants in Rockford. That's two free Taco Bell mentions in one podcast, by the way. It's unacceptable. <laughs> That's it, Taco Bell. You got to have to pay up if you want mentions from here on out. By the way, you mentioned the uh, Golden Knights AHL team, the Henderson Silver Knights. That is a badass logo. If it really you, is. If you've not seen that, check that out. So, by the way, got a couple messages after this happened. Like, why won't the Hawks team up with the Wolves? And you and I had that question answered for us at our Madhouse podcast event a couple years ago. Remember events? Those are fun. I remember when we used to be able to do things with people. Those are good times. Uh, but we talked to the, the Chicago Wolves brass, and they said they like to, as an organization, have a little bit of say on the roster. If they want like an aging guy who's had some NHL success that's going to make them a more competitive AHL team, they like to have that freedom, whereas the Hawks want full control on everything that happens in the AHL. And I know, while it would be really fun to have the Hawks and Wolves affiliated, as a Blackhawks fan, the way the Hawks are doing it is a better way to do it. If you're truly worried about using your AHL team as a true pipeline for your NHL team, there should not be any exceptions to that. So I like the way the Hawks do it. Would I love to see them partner with the Wolves? Of course, but not at the expense of their development program. So um, exciting. Now, here's my question. And a couple of people asked this on Twitter, too. Now that they have full control, is it time to get a new name for the Ice Not Hogs? a big fan of the Ice Hogs name? I don't... Eh, it's very minor leaguey, which is okay. But, like, I don't know. I could change it probably and not be too upset, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Well, I mean, they don't, it's not like they have a huge, long history anyway. I mean, they what? They've been the Ice Hogs since... They moved to Rockford. I think it was around 2007. I think they used to be the affiliate of the Mighty the Ducks, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, 0708 was their first year. Boom! Look at that memory coming in there. I, I for some reason I associate them with the debut of Kane and Taves. So that that's kind of the. Uh, the, the mindset there, but yeah, there's, it's not like there's a ton of history. I'd love to hear from some ice hogs fans about how they would feel about that. If they were to rebrand the team a little bit, that, that would be interesting though. I will, I will concede that. I'm not trying to be uh, a, a jag or anything, but I don't own ice hog stuff because I just don't, I don't really like the logo. I don't really like the name. I just kind of, I'm not into it. Like what are, I'm going to disagree with you. I do like their logo. Okay. I like the, um, the alternate jerseys that look like a meatpacking plant logo. Yes. They're gray with like just the silhouette of the pig. Those I like. Wasn't it? They had the R logo with the feathers. That was an awesome Jersey when they had that one. That's cool too. And they can certainly, you know, maybe this is a time to test out a call them the Rockford black Hawks. 
and have a Black Hawk logo and see how people like it. It's, just hmm. an, it's an opportunity. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there. Wasn't there a baseball team in Rockford as well? Am I misremembering that? Didn't they have a minor league baseball team? Um, it does ring a bell. Oh, the Aviators, right? Rockford Aviators. Yes, that yep. is that is correct. They, I think they have a new team out there now. It's called the Rivets. I, I wouldn't mind if they did some type of homage to the uh, Aviators name. That's I think that, cool. that could be cool. I'm down with that for sure. Yeah. Maybe they can. You know what? They can call me Admirals. No, there's too many Admirals. <laughs> That's our go to AHL joke because there were are multiple teams called the Admirals. Yes. I don't even remember. It's anymore. enough. It's I'm retiring Admirals from sports because there's been too many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take them to court. And when I do, you know who I'm calling? Oh, I know this answer. Our newest partner, Kent Simpson. Yes. Of the Simpson Law Group. After Boy, o- you'll win that case for sure. Damn right I will. And if I don't, I'll get my money back. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago. He's a huge hockey fan, and he specializes in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents on all sorts of vehicles, cars, trucks, motorcycles, you name it, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, and birth injuries, slip and fall cases and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinsen Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation. 312-332-2107. That's 312-332-2107. Or visit SinsenLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. Kent is a huge hockey fan, a huge hockey player, former D2 hockey star. So support him. He's supporting us, and we greatly appreciate it. All right, James, we've got. I'm sorry, Jay. I do oh, have to oh, interrupt oh, you for one oh, thing. Oh, we have an interesting quote that we need to discuss about the game this evening. Oh, it is from Connor Murphy. He was asked if mistakes are compounding in the Blackhawks' losses, and here is what he had to say. That's been a theme with our losses. We seem to be a little bit fragile. Instead of picking each other up and a mistake on a goal or a shift where they're on us, we don't seem to be responding very well. That's on us as a group and even a leadership group to be able to recognize things and get our game going in the right direction. When you're a playoff team and you have your game together, it seems like nothing can phase you. Lately in these losses, when we give up momentum for longer spurts of time, we have not been. Here's my question, and we d- discussed the Jeremy Calton angle of this earlier. Without Taves, without Seabrook, who is the leader of the team? We thought it was Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith. That was kind of our uh, our idea, but apparently the Blackhawks don't feel that way because Jeremy Colleton was asked about these comments, and he said, that's probably not how I would describe it. I think we've got to be willing to stick with it longer when you do the right thing and it doesn't turn out for you. It doesn't mean you stop doing the right thing. And then he was asked, is that on you or the captains? And he said, we are all in it together. So I think he, he answered some leadership, uh, not pointing fingers at leadership. He's pointing fingers at the whole group. It seems like including himself. I think it's an appropriate answer. I think it's an appropriate response to 
of saying you can't get frustrated. And when you get frustrated, that's when the system breaks down because you're trying to do too much. You and I mentioned this earlier in the pod of too many passes, too much, not enough attack and too much retreat, right? They've got to stick to the plan. And look, we're on record, not big fans of the defensive system by any stretch, but it is what it is. And if it's going to work, they're going to have to stick to it to a T, which is tough to do. But if it's going to work, it has to be perfect. And I do see a bit of that. What Calvin's talking about is they start to get frustrated. They start to try to improvise a little bit and then they get caught, right? That, that seems to be what happens because it's puck management. It's turnovers. It's guys falling down with no one back to defend. Those are systemic breakdowns. And yes, I do blame a large portion of that on Jeremy Cowan, but I do think, look, before Taves and Seabrook were gone, we talked about Keith and, and Kane as leaders by example, right? And we saw earlier this year that, that Keith was sort of embracing more of a leadership role, you know, talking to young players, but maybe we've overblown that a little bit, maybe not, but it's just not in his nature to be a go get him rah rah sort of a leader. That's just not the kind of guy he is. It's not the kind of guy Patrick Kane is. So who is that guy? Maybe it's Connor Murphy. Maybe it's Calvin DeHaan. I don't know, but I do feel like on ice leadership matters and there might be a void in that area right now. I think that's a good question. And I think it's something that we've kind of discussed and kind of thought to ourselves that it was one of those things that would kind of resolve itself as the season went along. And apparently I'm not sure if there's somebody just hasn't grabbed the mantle. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Would Connor Murphy maybe be that leader? Is that why he's the one that's kind of speaking up about this? I think so. Just knowing his personality a little bit, it would fit him. He's got kind of a gregarious personality. He's talkative. He's um, upbeat kind of a guy. And like going back to the Keith thing, if early in the year and in training camp, he's like, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to make sure I go out of my way to get out of my comfort zone and be different and lead by example and lead, you know, by whatever, like actual instruction as the year goes on and those minutes pile up, he's tired and he just doesn't have time for that anymore. He wants to go back to the routine that got him the success that got him where he is. So it's tough to just like at 37 years old, be like, I'm a vocal leader now. It's just, it's just not in his personality. So I'm not saying there's a leadership void, but I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly asking the question, who is the leader? It might be Connor Murphy. I'm fine with that. He's got an A on a sweater for a large part of the year. Alex Debrinkit does too. That's got to be for a reason, aside from just being one of the better players on the team. But yeah, we are seeing a trend of bad thing happens, Hawks fall apart. And it's, it's becoming a trend. And it's troubling. It's definitely troubling. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I, I think that it was an interesting uh, couple of quotes that we saw, and that's why I wanted to bring them up because I kind of wanted to get your take on it. And I know we had mentioned earlier in the podcast that the Blackhawks just kind of seemingly were getting too passive and the adversity in the second period on the penalty that erased that power play kind of deflated them a little bit. And it's interesting to hear them acknowledge that. And I know that that could be maybe a – one game thing and he wouldn't say things the same way after you know a game that isn't a frustrating loss but 
I think there's a reason that Connor Murphy is choosing to kind of speak out now. I think he's kind of trying to throw down the gauntlet for the last 15 games of this season to get the Blackhawks to kind of get their collective heads out of their asses. I think that could potentially be part of it. He could say, you know what, there's a void here. There hasn't been a leadership, uh, a guy step up into a leadership role this season. Why not me? Why not be that guy right now? It's a very, it's an interesting thing to see. And it was interesting that it came up now. And I'm really curious to see how the Blackhawks as the team are going to react to that as they head into Saturday's game against a Columbus team that all of a sudden is right on their heels. Yep. No doubt. It's going to be a fascinating watch uh, to the end of the year here. And you mentioned it. Saturday is probably going to be the last look we get at the Blackhawks as currently assembled. The trade deadline is Tuesday. Don't worry. James and I will be on top of the trade deadline all day long, just like we did today. If one of us has to pop on for an emergency pod before we have time to get together and do a major full length breakdown, we will absolutely do that. Trade deadline is my Christmas. We will be all over it so make sure you subscribe to the podcast and turn on those notifications because as soon as we post a podcast you will get that notification and you can listen right away with that we want to wrap things up thank you so much for listening for my partner james and my name is jay zawoski we'll talk to you very very soon on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports dr squatch and by the sins in law group i'm amira rose davis historian and co-host of the sports podcast burn it all down and now i'm hosting the new season of american prodigy all about black girls in gymnastics For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.